0: Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Nope, we're not going. Personal reasons. If you don't want to go, don't go. She knew the rules. She violated. Do you take a vacation from your vacations during vacation time?
1: I've lifted the cloak of ignorance from over your head, <laughs> like Booker T. Washington <laughs> <laughs> said.
0: That's going deep, European sports nerd right
1: there, once you started talking about <laughs> <laughs> peloton racing, race. I thought about, in the back of my mind, I was like, hey, let me let this guy call this the peloton <laughs> the whole show <laughs> and see how many corrections he gets well, once you take the money, then everything else comes with that. But once you take the money, you signing up for all of that. And some of it's fair, some of it's not. I totally agree with it. But you're getting paid a lot to deal with the
0: bullshit, Wasn't me. Everyone just understands that I'm the GOAT.
1: We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region.
2: Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the
0: Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll, ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast so glad that you have joined us for this episode and if this is your first time joining us welcome aboard we hope to be a part of your regular podcast menu on any platforms in which you get podcasts and i'll tell you more ways on how to get interactive but if you're coming back welcome back we continue to get bigger and better. And so I have to put this information out for all of the new people who are listening for the first time because we're getting a lot of first time listeners. You can always get more information on the podcast and yours truly at Wades Word That's wadeswordproductions.com. You can listen to past episodes and look at uh, all the things that we have there. We'll be doing some uh, massive renovations to that website soon. So, uh, but again, as it stands, a lot of great stuff there. and. And a lot of ways to uh, listen to past episodes and learn more about the show. In addition to that, I have made available a 24-hour-a-day sports line where you guys can give us a call, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can leave a message 24 hours a day. If you have questions, comments, feedback, uh, you know, and I ask for a lot of feedback from you guys. So you certainly can be interactive that way. And you might just end up on the very next podcast so that's available to you and of course on social media the sports talk with devin wade page and the group the group is a whole lot of fun jm Keith in the gang post stuff all the time and uh, keep that page active i post things all the time as well so again uh you can join that group on facebook and on twitter at wade's word so i think we've checked all the boxes on that well this time out a lot to get into, had a, a lengthy discussion with our guy, the European sports nerd from our special teams unit, Eddie Robinson and we get into some swag stuff Some we get into a lot of Formula 1 so brace yourself for that and we also get into the wrap up of the NBA finals so we get into that and a whole lot of stuff with Eddie also you know it's not always just sports with your boy you know I change it up a little bit and I tackle some important things from time to time and our very own Sports Talk with Devin Wade political consultant Amanda Edwards former Houston City Council person former U.S. Senator Candidate uh, Amanda Edwards will be here to talk about some of the important things going on in the state of Texas and really, for that matter, around the country. So, we'll get into that as well. No Lamont award this time, but if you've not heard the Lamont award, go back to past episodes so you can see who the big dummy of the past episodes were in addition to that you'll hear words from our sponsors and our resident dj dj anarchy and a few headlines so let's get started with those headlines in headlines there's so much to get to i mean things are changing a lot these days Uh, obviously the olympics are underway and naomi osaka got a chance to light the cauldron she lit the olympic flame that will burn over tokyo for the remainder of the olympics what an honor for her and what a great look i mean just a wonderful wonderful thing in what was a subdued opening ceremony so those are going on the olympics are going on got them up a little bit of pink. Ping pong on got into that a little bit little handball stuff you know waiting for the trampoline you'll hear more about trampoline a little bit later on but all of those things are underway and again that's also covid watch Speaking of COVID, big news in the NFL, and I'm going to go quickly on some of these things because we're going to get into where we're doing two or three podcasts a week so uh, we can address all of these uh, headlines that come up every single day in the world of sports. But the NFL comes down and says, hey, if a team is forced to forfeit a game because of unvaccinated players testing positive for COVID, No one will get paid. The team will be handed a loss. And uh, no game checks will go out for either team. And that spurred on a pushback of sorts. I mean, a lot of stuff going on with with COVID. So here's the deal. Tier 1 employees of the NFL, those are trainers, front office, staff, coaches, all of those folks in Tier 1, they're required to get vaccinated for COVID-19. But the players have not, it had not been mandated that the players take the vaccine. And we know that a lot of players, Cole Beasley and a number of others, have spoken out about it. Well, the it is about to hit the fan because if what might happen, actually happens uh, they're going to be a lot of folks losing a lot of money and there is going to be some posturing i don't know how this thing is going to play out but we've already seen a tweet from deandre hopkins saying that i never thought a vaccine would would make me think about my future in the nfl well he has since deleted that tweet And, and i'll tell you like this for deandre hopkins or leonard fournette or any of these guys that really want to walk away. And again, I don't think anyone has said they will, but if they really want to walk away from millions of dollars, because you don't want to take a shot, I respect your gangster. That is a serious stance to take. I think you're wrong. I think you could be possibly dead wrong. But again, you think about all of the people who were frontline workers. Think about folks at grocery stores that had to work in these adverse conditions. And now you think about the privilege that comes with being a multimillionaire playing the game of football. I just think that, man, that is that's a strong stance if that's what you want to do. But I think that that is a foolish thing to do. And again, a lot of people are dying. I've been adamant about the vaccine and someone pointed out that hey you know growing up then you have to have a physical and have to be vaccinated to play ball in school so it's not the first vaccination for a lot of these folks i don't know what other proof you need 160 million people have taken the shot some people just i don't know where they and i know there's a lot of misinformation but i don't know where their fear is coming from and then people say well oh, I, you get sick the day after i got a little bit sleepy and it was nothing and i got the pfizer and if, they, if I need a, a booster shot, I will get it the first day. I'm not tripping about any of that because I'm trying to live. We know that over 600,000 folks and counting have died from COVID. This is not a game, man. People are losing their lives behind this foolishness. And I shouldn't be dismissive of people's apprehensions and fears. But at this point, 160 million just in America we're not even talking about worldwide, have gotten a vaccine. So we'll have to follow that. Do you think that NFL players should be mandated uh, to uh, take the COVID vaccine? Uh, give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. Obviously, people have strong opinions uh, a lot of different ways. But, again, we've had people on this show, people that I trust personally with my life, then they have recommended taking the shot. So that's up to everybody else. But uh, if everyone had taken it, we'd be over this thing. Other big news in the city of Houston, the state of Texas, and all over college football, Oklahoma and Texas are opting for the SEC. I'll <sighs> uh, tell you what. You know, if you've listened to me for any time, I'm a bit of a, you know, I lean on the old school. I appreciate the greatness and the tradition of the old school. And and the thing about college football were the traditions, were the battles, were the matchups regional. Sometimes local matchups, those rivalries that were real, because these are people in your neighborhood, in your in your state. In your you played in the high school playoffs against some of these guys and they go to different schools within the state and they're on the recruiting trails, battling each other for these players. And everybody's choosing up sides. And now you make this super conference where it's just really about money. So the facade of it being about tradition and pomp and circumstance, that's out of the window. They keep saying, well, you know, it's about the money. But I'm not making any more money. They're making the money. And I, as a fan, want to see some of those traditions maintained. Now, again, I'm I'm just yelling into the wind. No one is listening. And that's fine. But I, at least I was there. And I remember the rich traditions that made up college football. Now it's just about money. I mean, everything is. So I get it. But I don't have to be excited about it. Now, while I will appreciate, I'm sure, some of the big matchups of maybe Texas versus uh, Alabama or Texas versus uh, LSU every year. And even maybe I don't even really want to see the renewal of Texas and Texas A&M. But, again, it's likely going to happen. But there's a clear separation between the haves and the have-nots in college football. The NCAA is going to go away as it pertains to football. We see guys making money. And I'm all for the guys making money off of name, image, and likeness. So I'm for that. But if you are still into traditions, the Southwest Athletic Conference, all of those traditional rivalries have been maintained. There's some movement with the expansion of – Bethune-Cookman, and Florida a and And while people will say, oh, that's kind of hypocritical, well, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> because I know folks in the MEAC that have seen their conference just shredded almost in half with North Carolina a t leaving and FAMU and Bethune-Cookman. I know they're upset about some of the traditional matchups that won't take place anymore. But I will say this. At least Florida A&M and and bethune cookman bring their rivalries with them to the conference. But at the end of the day, I really want the swag to be illuminated as a premier super conference for HBCUs. And that's important to get these kids the exposure that they deserve. And I look forward to more exposure, more nationally televised games for the swag, and just celebrating the rich, the real rich tradition that has maintained itself in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Speaking of, they had the SWAC Media Day in Birmingham this week. Used to go every year. We don't go any more, but we used to fly to Birmingham every year to cover that. Don't do it anymore, but I miss those uh, those days because I really love getting a chance to talk to and see everybody in one spot from all the different uh, different schools within the conference. So Dion made news. Coach Prime, I don't want to call him Dion. Coach, oh, I, I put it like this, for the purposes of our conversation, I can say, Dion. if I interview him, it's not a problem for me to call him Coach Sanders or Coach, I probably won't say Coach Prime, I'll say Coach, uh, like I do with any other coach that I've ever interviewed in life, ever. So, uh, essentially what happened, he was on a Zoom interview towards the end of the festivities on Swag Media Day, and a reporter from the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi uh, addressed him with a question and said, "Dion, blah blah blah." Dion responded, "Hey, call me Coach. You know, if you call Nick Saban by his first name, you'll get cussed out. Call me Coach Prime or Coach Sanders or address me as Coach." Well, the guy says, "Well, I know Nick. I talk to Nick all the time, and I call him Nick, Dion." which was really, really unnecessary, unprofessional, and not the way to handle that. And I'm sure that those parties, both the Clarion Ledger and Jackson State, those officials have gotten together. They're going to work that out because we've seen this happen. In, well, I have in different media markets where and usually with pro teams, you'll have uh, some issues with players and publications, and it's not – unheard of that those two entities it, two entities come together and say okay we have to resolve this and, and again I, I don't quite understand the necessity of Dion wanting to be called coach because he's carved out an identity on the landscape of uh, really public life as prime time deon sanders but at the same time once he states hey you, this is what i would like you to address me as i, I don't think that that's disrespectful or extra for him to do that i mean it's not again i grew up in a football culture so it's never been a problem for me at all to call someone coach so that is uh that's something that i think got blown a little bit out of proportion but i'm sure that those folks will work that out in mississippi because that publication covers jackson state more than any other they're in jackson mississippi where jackson state is so that's going on. So, a lot more stuff is going on. Uh, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks for winning the NBA championship. Giannis was absolutely fabulous. And what a remarkable, remarkable performance for him in the NBA Finals. We get into that a little bit with Eddie Robinson. Speaking of which, going to take a brief time out, come back with that conversation with Eddie Robinson. And we still have our conversation with former Houston City Council person, Amanda Edwards, who I am sure I am certain that. We will hear her name again running for public office. It's going to take time out come back with more. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast.
2: Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, not negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit BrighterBrainsLearningCenter.org. House get through i house the house, house, last house, 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 house. House, time, will be time,
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Music from our resident DJ on the mix. DJ Anarchy You can check him out On SoundCloud Around town I'm going to start Posting some of his events He's doing things All over the city All the time And uh, we have to Show him some love So hit him up On uh, SoundCloud Or on Instagram DJ Anarchy And if you have music You want played On the podcast If you're a fledgling uh, Artist or DJ And you want your music Exposed to the Thousands of people Who listen to this podcast Just email us Music at Wade's Word com That's music Music at Wade'sWordProductions.com. also want to remind you guys, you can go to, if you want to make a contribution, you can go to Liberapay, L-I-B-E-R-P-A-Y, and make a contribution. Search for the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, and you can support the podcast. That's a big deal. You want to do that. We need your help, your support to get bigger and better, and uh, it enables us to uh, continue to provide quality programming for you guys. I know you like it. We're going to do more. I want to do more. I'll tell you what. Give me three or four of you guys and give me $10,000 each, and we'll do a podcast every day. Okay? let's Let's just do that. Give me seven, eight, nine people. Give me, you know, five, ten grand a piece. We'll, we will dedicate and have quality programming. But until then, any amount helps. Any Honestly, you know, it takes uh, time and effort and finances to make sure that we uh, provide quality programming. And I think it's necessary. And I think that those of you who listen on a regular basis find something here that you don't find anywhere else. And we'll continue to do that and bring you voices that you don't hear other places and perspectives that you certainly don't hear any other the places speaking of a perspective you don't normally hear here is an interview uh, with our guy former nfl linebacker eddie robinson he's part of the special teams unit one of our crew that we frequently uh converse with i uh, had a chance to catch up with him before the COVID uh story broke in the nfl and before the texas and ou story broke in college football so here are the thoughts the musings of our very own eddie robinson
1: afternoon oh man everything's good man Uh, my my man lewis hamilton got another w although it was somewhat controversial and uh you know i like the fact that the milwaukee bucks won their championship first one since what 1971 so hey sports are looking good for me right now
0: so let's unpack formula one this weekend so we're gonna go into a lot of different things so formula one which you're our european sports nerd so we talk about a a, a lot of euros can
1: you believe on this day Devin Wade is starting off the podcast (laughs) coming to me in the lead story. Not the not the last ten seconds of the call, but the lead story is Formula One. Man, how have things changed? I tell you,
0: hey, this is beautiful. I watched the whole thing. Look, they have about (laughs) a month. Formula One has about a month. Then football, you know, then Sundays will be dedicated to NFL pregame. I'll get my so I can get my DraftKings team situated. I'll be doing fantasy in about well, probably about what six, eight weeks, something like that before we get going with that. But so now I still have time. But Formula One. And for those who follow this portion of the show, it was exciting. It was very controversial. So they they take off and from I mean, this, okay, Formula One is not NASCAR. You're not gonna have a bunch of lead changes during the course of a race. But in the course of about a half lap, Max Verstappen, who is leading in points. And Lewis Hamilton, the only black racer ever in Formula One, who's a champion, one of the greatest to ever, if not the greatest to ever do it. They go back and forth for about a half a lap or so, right? Yep. Then it. then there's a wreck. And then tell me what you saw from your perspective. Whose fault was it? How did that go? And I'll tell you what happened after. If, for those of you who don't know, I'll tell you what, what the official said. Let's see what Eddie says first.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to, to catch everybody up, like you said, Lewis Hamilton has has won the championship five out of the last six years. He's a seven time world champ. Time Michael Schumacher and and Max is probably an equally good driver, but he hasn't won the championship yet. But he's that that next up and coming round of great stars, and and so now the Red Bull car he has a he has like a thirty five point lead going into this race. So Lewis is is kind of been on the back foot this year, and. And it's feeling the pressure and Lewis is a Brit and they're in Silverstone, which is the which is the home track in the UK. So, you know, Lewis is the hometown race. So a lot of pressure on him. So going into those first couple turns, I mean, Max had the lead and Lewis kind of undercut him and and took the lead and Max took the lead back. So it was it was great open wheel racing and, and the biggest thing between you know nascar and formula one is in nascar you know you got the duct tape on the side you can bump a little <laughs> bit nudge a little bit well formula one is open wheel if you touch a wheel at 180 somebody's gonna spin off and can be hurt very seriously so i mean it's, it's a it's a no contact sport as far as the cars they do touch and crash but ideally i mean they are not meant to touch each other which which is the The level, the skill level of the drivers to turn, you know, at 180 and to leave enough room, but also not to get pushed out the way. So Max has been known to be a very aggressive driver, and he has been doing that this year. But he hasn't really been in the points championship race, so he could afford to be aggressive, where Lewis has been in the points championship race. So he would yield to Max. Um, just because he had more to lose, you know, to get a you know a DNF or a don't finish, then you get zero points as opposed to the max of possible twenty-five. So Lewis, in this scenario, this first half a lap, you know, it was a turn left, right, and then coming to the right hander, Lewis didn't yield. He just kept pushing. And Max kind of pinched him a little bit. So it's one of those things where Lewis could have backed out. Max could have left him a little more room. Everyone you ask is is half the people say Lewis could have did more. Max could have did more. Most people, honestly, and and I have the same opinion, both of them could have did a little bit more. So in those situations, when they say it's a racing incident, that means it's either person's at fault. Like it was just you contacted as the first lap, you're racing aggressively. And, you know, it was an incident and it happened. And so, but the, scenario that they've been using lately with formula one is if there's an accident if someone crashes then they're going to penalize the other guy regardless they'll say racing incident so they still penalize the guy so lewis had a 10 second penalty which you know a lot of the passing like you said in formula one happens because of a fast or slow pit stop so you can you can have a pit stop in 2.2 seconds so that means what lewis has to do when he gets into the pits he has to sit for ten seconds, and there's a guy with a stopwatch, so nobody can touch the car. You know, so ten seconds, and everybody else is zooming by, which in Formula One is huge. I mean, that's that's like, you know, a, a big time difference when you're going 180 miles an hour. So he had to wait ten seconds, and then they could work on the car. So it makes that pit stop like even longer. So
0: so what it ended up happening was we, he was penalized. I heard calls to say. They all, you know, some people on the one extreme said, oh, he should be suspended for a race. I heard yeah, that, that yeah, conversation. Yeah. And then, of <laughs> course, the Red Bull team, they were really upset about it. And, uh, and again, it was really kind of a rough, rough wreck. Verstappen had to be taken to the hospital eventually for observation or whatever. I didn't follow up because I don't attention to Formula One other than Sunday morning. <laughs> so I don't know what what <laughs> happened with him, but nonetheless, the, the celebration was really, really huge—160,000 fans—and this was the first time I guess that they've been able to convene like that since COVID. And it was a big, big day. It, it was just an interesting thing all around. I would like to see more of that kind of passing up front. Throughout the course of a race, because it seems like, man, once you're in the lead, you're pretty much in the lead. (laughs) It's not a lot of lead changes, and I don't really like that about Formula One.
1: Right, because usually, keep in mind, if if you're starting from the front, that means you qualify first, which means you have a fast car. And so something's going to have to happen for a slower car to pass you. Now, next year, they're going to actually change a lot of the regulations, and part of it is it's going to make it easier for the car behind to pass. That's the whole thought process of it. So you can have more overtaking and more interaction in, in racing. So everybody likes the close racing. And, and and eventually, if you're racing that close and that hard, I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to bump a touch or something. And, and the least little bit, I mean, this carbon fiber everywhere. You break off a wing, you can flat a tire. And so you really can ruin the race. And so, you know, a lot of the pundits were saying, you know, the crazy – you know, Max fans at home. Oh, man, he wrecked them on purpose. He tried to send them into the wall. But, I mean, realistically, it's in, in NASCAR, you can't bump a guy and nudge him and spin him around. In Formula One, the risk of, you know, hitting the carbon fiber with Lewis's front tire, he could have flatted his own tire. He could have messed up his own front wing. So, it's it's so much potential self-damage that is is not really a smart way to race and and lewis historically has never been a dirty rider and max has been a very aggressive rider so it's it's one of those things where the the kind of the guy who's who's not usually aggressive turns it up and then the aggressive guy like whoa you didn't back down this time so it was kind of to me one of those things but i didn't what i didn't like about it was the accusations of the red bull management by saying you know lewis intent was to try to make this happen. And so, yeah, it was a racing incident, but I, I don't think you can try to read into what a person's intent, because when you say that's my intent, then you're saying for football terms, we can get back to, you know, a lot of people probably just finishing their coffee. Like, man, what are these dudes talking about? So i I put it in football terms. It's like when we play a football game, the hope is that we can hit the quarterback hard enough that he has to leave the game. Now our intent isn't to hurt the quarterback, but we all know that is better to play against the backup who didn't get practice reps all week. So you're not going into the game thinking I'm trying to hurt the quarterback, but you're definitely trying to hit him hard enough to knock him out the game. You know what I'm saying? Either you scare him out the game or knock him out the game, but it's never your intent to try to hurt somebody. So I think to try to say that it was Lewis's intent to hurt him is, is kind of going way too far, especially if you look at the track record of the way Lewis has drove and driven over his, his career over the last you know decade or so. So, so, so let, me,
0: yeah, let me ask you this, though. like Because like NASCAR, when we see something like NASCAR, in which if something like that happens and somebody feels slighted, it's not going to just be words. There's going to be some fisticuffs a little bit in the, okay, <laughs> in the so garage. Curious, anyway. is, is that something that we can expect here when, when Verstappen comes back? It's interesting
1: that you say that. Because, you know, Max, you know, people were calling him the Mad Max when he first got into Formula One. Because you know, usually he wasn't in a points race. So then you would have Lewis and say a Ferrari who were, who were, who were right in the neck and neck trying to win the championship. So Max was like third, fourth, or fifth. Like he was so he would just drive super aggressive. And his thought was, well, look, if you crash into me, you're going to lose this overall championship. I'm trying to win this one week. And so Lewis is one of those guys, you know, a smart driver. He's like, well, Hey, you know what? Even if I don't win today, I can get the second place points and win the championship. So let me let Max go. I'm not going to tank with this guy. It's not worth it. I know he drives super aggressive. You know, he doesn't give room in the corner. So so Max has that reputation. His nickname was Mad Max. You know what I'm saying? So and and actually he had a race, I want to say it was in Brazil, maybe last year or even the year before, But he was clearly in first. He was he was going to win the race. So he was passing the slower drivers. So in passing the slower driver, he felt like the, and he had lapped them. So they give you a blue flag till you move out the way. So when they gave the slower driver a blue flag, he didn't move out the way quick enough. Max tries to do a, an aggressive overtake of the slower driver. And granted he's going to win the race and they end up touching and he crashes and he loses the race. So after the race, he meets the guy in the pits and like, Hey man, why you didn't get the hell out the way? You know what I'm saying? It was like, dude, you were laughing at me. Like either way you were going to win. Why were you driving so aggressive? Now, Max is a much better driver from that, but and, and I don't think he would get in the fist of cuffs or anything like that with Lewis, but the tensions are definitely at a high. So, the next race is in Hungary, which is, I actually have been to the, the Hungar ring at the Hungarian Grand Prix. It usually rains there a lot, too. So, it should be a very interesting race. The tempers are going to be high. Max had a 35-point lead. Now, it's cut to 8-point lead. So, it's like game on, and Lewis hasn't officially apologized. Max was like, how could he sit up there and, and celebrate the win when I'm in the hospital? You know, it's, so it's, it's all kind of like digs and stuff going all over the place. A couple racist comments from some idiot fans that were put on the internet going towards Lewis. So it's, you know, and of course, Lewis is the leader of the Hamilton Report and all about trying to have diversity in Formula One and inclusiveness. So it's, it's a great time if you're a reporter. There's a whole bunch of storylines that you can build up over the next two weeks.
0: <laughs> so, i have given you your Formula One time, your paying But I you want you... Get, to get it
1: all out, too, man. It was uninterrupted, bro. I
0: love it. I needed that fix. Oh, I tell same. you what, keep that same energy for NFL. Hey, now, what are we doing that, next? The Tour de France? Yeah, to, no, we going no, to no, no. the Tour No, we're no, going no. to NBA
2: Finals. No, I, next. Okay, I
1: only get one. Okay, my you, bad. One second at a time. You keep
2: that
0: same energy for for the NFL because yeah, that's your area of expertise. So we really need you to be that excited about week two or week three of the NFL season. So let's talk we about have,
1: we got to do what these see what these Saints are gonna do, man. We got two quarterbacks. I'm I mean training camp is coming. I'm trying to see what's gonna happen. But hey, that's that's down the line. Let's let's talk about we have a world champion here. So let's so let's talk wow. about that.
0: What about the performance of Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA finals last night? 50 points. He was as dominant as I remember in a game clinch, I don't remember a guy doing what he did throughout the entire game. Obviously, you know Jordan has his moments and and all of that stuff, but it was never. I mean, you know, I don't ever remember him doing this in a closeout game. Man, look, I have hey, never are, seen are you kidding me?
1: game six. You know. Come on, man! When well, he MJ, pushed game off J. and he come hit, on. The come shot. on, man! Yeah, that made mean, a song about it. What?
0: Well, how, really? how many did he have in that game? Do
1: you remember? I don't know, but he scored the game winner with the push off on
0: on the uh, kid in Russell. Utah. Like, come uh, on, man! Russell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but but I'm saying, but I, I understand
1: where you're going, with. man.
0: He was. He was unstoppable. What do you think about him? What do you think about Milwaukee winning it? And and what do you think about his post-game comments? He said, look, I could have joined the super team. That would have been easy. I would have just played my role. But to do it this way was hard, and we did it. We effing did it. And what do you think about all of that with Giannis?
1: I was torn between between both teams. I mean, I really didn't have a a, a dog in the race. But, you know, just looking at the storylines, you know, the The first thing I was excited about was after you know Harden dumped on the Rockets that either P.J. Tucker or Chris Paul was going to win the World Championship, and he had to sit there and watch. So I I love the fact that even once we got to the Conference Finals, it was a a, a Houston Rocket former starter who played with James Harden, who were, who was on all four of the teams. So no matter what, Harden was going to have to watch two of his guys, and one of them was going to win the championship. So part of me was loving the the Chris Paul storyline, but I think the Giannis storyline is equally as good because, you know, once LeBron James said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, NBA, the NCAA portal, youth sports, (laughs) everybody's switching from the Ducks to the Cowboys on the South Side. Like, everybody wants to switch teams. There's no loyalty, you know what I'm saying? So I think for Giannis to step up and say, this is the small market team that gave me a chance to be an NBA superstar and the an MVP and all of the great things that I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here, work with Middleton, work with, with Holiday, work with my guys, and you know, bring in some good players, but at the same time, I'm not going to try to super team this thing. I'm not going out and recruit anybody like LeBron did. I'm going to sit here and work hard, take my losses, keep getting better and better and better, and then win a championship on your home court. I mean, I think that is a storybook ending to the season, and I love it that the small market team wins the championship with the guy that they actually drafted who didn't leave and didn't build the super team. Like, I love that story, and hopefully we can see more of that.
0: So that leads me to my next question. So we saw a one-and-done winner last year, and really in the year before when you talk about Toronto. Uh, right. And the Lakers, of course, win in the bubble. Will this be another situation where we, again, this is a one and done kind of situation. Or do you think that Milwaukee can again, get back, at least get back to the NBA finals?
1: No, I, I think they definitely have a chance to get back. Even with the Brooklyn Nets being healthy. I think Milwaukee has a chance to still be a repeat team. And, and part of it is Giannis taking that next step which is the free throws i mean that's the weakness of his game if if he shoot 70% from the free throw line, you're which are did about last an Extra night. 10 to 12 points per game. You was, know, and, that's, and really the only reason he scored 50 was because he made his free throws. So if he can consistently do that, you're talking about a guy who can up his scoring average by at least another six or seven points a game. And really that, that is a huge difference. So I, I think what they have with Middleton and holiday and the PJ Tucker with the role players, it's a great mix in chemistry that work really well. And I think those guys have the family atmosphere and, and the hunger that can definitely get them back to the championship again. And of course, as you saw in the finals down the stretch, it's a lot of things with injuries and other stuff that can't happen. So it's impossible to say. The East has a lot of good teams, but I feel like you, you can't say that the Bucs aren't one of the top two or three teams in the East who can definitely get back to the conference championship or, you know, to the NBA finals again.
0: Well, i tell you what, it's a, it's an interesting situation in the Western conference as well, because now you're looking at a situation Chris Paul, they're going to have to make a decision on him. Aiden is going to have to get paid. Does that team look like a team that can come back and do it again? Because this could be a one-off where neither one of these teams, I mean, both of these teams could conceivably not even make it to the conference finals next year. Is this just an aberration or both of these teams here to stay?
1: Well, I, I think with Booker and Giannis, I think both of them are here to stay. I mean, Booker is an elite scorer, and you can build around him. I mean, you you can put more pieces in place. Chris Paul, I mean, obviously, you know, he has the fountain of youth. I mean, you hate that he didn't win the championship. I, I think I think they kind of uh, overshot their talent level, meaning Phoenix. And so I I, I think for them to get back it would it would take a Chris Paul and someone else. like they would have to add another high level player um, even though they scored a lot of points and, and they and they turned it on at the end. I, if I had to bet which team could get back to the finals, I would definitely take that bet on Giannis and Milwaukee way more than I would on Chris Paul in Phoenix. And may and it's not really Chris Paul in Phoenix, it's Devin Booker in Phoenix. And and Chris Paul is the, to me the, the second guy on that team. But Booker is an elite score. I mean a lot of it will have to do with the free agency and, and where guys go and and how the draft goes. And so but the West I don't think there's a clear out favorite in the West. I mean, I think, you know, Dallas is there. Uh, the are, are, are kind of there. I mean, yeah, Utah is there. Lakers,
0: Denver uh, will have at some point, Jamal Murray back. Right. Um, so, man. I mean, I,
1: I think the West is just going to be like a, a free for all. It's just going to be who's healthy and who's hot going into the playoffs. Kind of like Phoenix was the healthy and hot team this year. Now that the, the chances of them being the healthy and hot team again, is highly unlikely where I, I feel like from a talent standpoint, Milwaukee has more of a talent level where they can get there on talent and not just we have to be healthy and hot.
0: Well, I thought that was a great matchup for them and because I think even though I, Paul got his points at different points, uh, uh, he was challenged a lot by Drew Holiday, so that presented its own issues. But you have the Camerons there in Phoenix, and if Johnson can really continue to, to prosper and grow, he may be a, a quote-unquote you know maybe many superstar here in the near future uh, so you know they have a couple of young guys that can really uh, shoot and get hot at the right time but it's going to be a tall task for both of those teams to get back to the NBA finals but I, is that good for the NBA to have different champions all the time or, or was it better when you had Cleveland versus Golden State 3 years in a row what what's no, your take
1: I, I think I think it's much better and like this and much more engaging and and it gives parity is uh, is always good especially when when teams are playing at a high level and it's a lot of teams with good records i mean because you have you had two teams one that had never won a world championship and one that hadn't won a world championship in 50 years so i mean that's that's great i mean that's like i mean yeah they're small market teams so you look at the ratings and those type of things but everything was a lot later i mean come on it's 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 the middle of July. Who's still watching basketball right now? So the finals finals kinda you know, everything was pushed back. So but I, I think right now with the NBA trying to be an international sport and all that type of stuff, I think it's great when you have different players, young players. But I mean, we're in a we're in a transition stage. I mean the Chris Pauls, the Lebrons, and maybe KD, but he's right on that edge too. The older guys are starting to transition off to the younger guys, and so you see a, a passing of the baton. And I think the younger guys are starting really to make their mark of who will be that next superstar to lead the league over the next decade or so. It won't be LeBron, so it's like who is going to be that next guy to step his game up to the level? I mean, you got you know, Atlanta with Trey, and and, and you got so I mean, you guys you got some fantastic scores who are doing it at a high level and are showing that that they can be that guy. So now it's about who can be that guy and consistently take their team to the next level week after week and year after year. And so, and I think that's exciting. It's kind of like the, the bird magic era was ending and then you saw George taking over at the Olympics. Like, oh man, this guy's going to be good. So, I, and, I, and we're kind of going through that And that's always fun when you have a transition of one group of superstars to the next.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have to see who will stay consistently among that group. Uh, We will see Booker, Middleton, and Drew Holiday as they head to Tokyo to play in the Olympics. What's your take on the Olympics? Are you excited? Do you think they're going to happen? Do you think they should happen? As uh, some of the officials said yesterday, that there could be a last minute cancellation of the Olympics, although they've gotten underway with certain sports already playing. I want to say softball and soccer have already gotten underway. Do you are you excited about it? Should this be going on at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm
1: looking forward to it and it is so hard to get to the Olympic games and, and even harder to be Olympic champion and, and guys trained for this moment their whole life and, and the qualifying process, especially in track and field, which is, you know, what we watch the most, but even in other sports, it's so stressful. I mean, to get picked to the Olympic games and cycling is, is a very hard process. You have to win a certain amount of race. So, and that's with all of the other disciplines. And so, especially when you're in a huge country like the U S with so much talent at different sports. So it, it would be really hard, for those athletes who have tried for year after year to make it, you make an Olympic team and all of a sudden the Olympics cancel try again next year. I mean, you may not make it again next year. So, I mean, hopefully, um, because the Olympic process as far as the trials went off so smooth, I would hope that the games can go off, even if there's, I don't even think fans should be the big consideration. Everything's on television now anyway. So, I mean, yeah, you would like the crowd noise and excitement and all that type of stuff, but I'm sure those Olympians would love to be able to participate even if they don't have fans. I mean, that is a career moment to say, if you go to the Olympics and finish in 20th place, are you forever an Olympian? And there's not a lot of people who can say that. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, are there any sports you're uh, specifically looking forward to seeing aside from track? You know, you're going to say track. Uh, I, I mean, most people... Oh, yeah, the
1: cycling starts this week. So, I mean, hey, you since you asked, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> since, <laughs> since you don't want to let me talk about the Tour de France, <laughs> right. I have to talk about the Olympic cycling. So, with the cycling, there's a road race for the men and the women and also a time trial race when they, you know, kind of get the time trial bikes. But then there's also... The velodrome racing also, which is or, that's a whole and, other aspect or of Or as
0: different. I would call it, the the pat. What did they call it? The pelodrome. No.
1: The pelodrome. The, <laughs> you, you know what? I realized what you were doing. So the peloton is the group of cyclists that are going down the road. Right. The velodrome is the track that they race on on the inside, the wooden track. You combine velodrome <laughs> with peloton, <and> peloton. <laughs> so that I, I realized that like the ah, aha. So you weren't too far off.
0: <laughs> right. But I was clearly wrong. A lot of people were got clearly to wrong that yeah. one. I would like, and give me your take on it. I would love to see some boxes emerge. I know boxing is just, I don't know. I have, I cannot understand what happened between like the time when boxing was a huge, huge part of the Olympics. And then all of a sudden after what? 96, it just really fell all the way off. I mean, some of my greatest, my most favorite fighters, I mean, some of the best fighters ever ever, Participated in the Olympics. Foreman, Ali, Frazier, um, Evander Holyfield, Sugar Ray, Leonard. So many great fighters. De La Hoya. I um, mean, you know, so many great guys that fought in the Olympics and and it just we don't even talk about it anymore. I'm hoping that boxing can bounce back and, and really maybe have a star or two come out of boxing. And, and I think part of that has to do with how, how they program it. Will they give us some prime time uh, energy? Will they get will they try to put it out there so people can absorb and and really watch some of these young fighters? What do you think?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I mean, you always knew that that young Olympic champion was going to, you know, turn pro and start fighting professionally. And so it was it was anticipation like, hey, man, this guy's been coming up through the ranks. He's, you know, had the headgear on and he's doing three round matches. But, man, he's going to be a pro just in a couple months. And who is who is who will his first fight be against? And so the the progress was you went through the juniors, you became an Olympic champion, and then you turned pro with a whole bunch of excitement. So I don't, yeah, I'm I'm like you. I don't know exactly when that ended, but it seems like the amateur boxing just doesn't get a lot of pub. I don't know if it's the MMA or, or where are those fighters at? What's, where's the junior program? And so, I mean, the U.S. seems to have fallen behind, where some countries like the Puerto Ricos are still doing great with the amateur boxing. But, but for the us in the U.S., well, not countries because Puerto Rico is still in the US. But anyway, but we're still we we just don't see it as much. I'm thinking more like Cuba. But um we just don't see the amateur boxing like we used to at a high level with the excitement. You know, it, right. it's not Yeah, I don't think anybody can really name who are the top amateur boxers right now. You know, and, and right. before it was clear that, that it was anticipation of these guys. You know, see the ABC Wide World of Sports, yeah. and you would see the amateur boxing, and you knew they were going to the Olympics with the Pan Am Games. And it was a buildup, and we, we just don't have that build up anymore.
0: I remember as a kid, my dad took me to the Astro Arena for the USA versus Cuba. On one of those Saturday afternoons, which was a wide world of sports broadcast, so uh, yeah, I, I got a chance to see Team USA versus Team Cuba back in the day. I don't even know what year that would have been, but that was that was a lot of fun, and that was, those were great times because you look forward to to those. Are there any sports that you don't normally watch, or you only watch? during the Olympics that any other time you could care less, but because it's the Olympics, that's like one of the niche sports that you check out during the the Olympics.
1: Yeah, well for for the winter sports it's the curling. I like I'm I'm big into the curling, but there's it, no other time I would watch the curling. I but like during Bob the Olympics you way know, to get the little puck and you like shaving the ice in front, you gotta yeah. make it stop. So that's that's my winter sport that I just I'm I get excited about. What about, about
0: the bobsled? I, I like the bobsled and the luge. I mean I like both of those, but I only watch them during <laughs> the, the winter Olympics. What, you, don't, what about, you don't show the, the bobsled, no love?
1: Oh, I, I I do love the bobsled. I mean, and especially because you you know you got the Jamaican team. You always have like a <laughs> former track guy that's that's doing great in it. But but it's the curling that that kind of is, is the one that I kind of you know I kind of watch. This is one of those little those quirky little sports. I I would say in the Summer Olympics. Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's probably the rowing. The the rowing just is like to me so exciting because it it, it it's just like. The guys are putting so much effort into it but but you know that they're giving maximum effort but they're so smooth and relaxed. You know it's one of those sports where you got to go all out but your technique still has to be perfect to make it to make it work cuz the boat has to go straight, it has to be smooth and then you have the one little person up there that's just going stroke, stroke stroke and they're not even working. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> I guess they still get a gold medal too because you got to keep the pace of the boat. So probably the rowing is the sport that I, I probably really enjoy, you know, during the during the Olympics. So, I mean, but it's, it's so many unique different sports. It's like that that worldwide sports. I mean, I, I, I used to get excited on Saturday morning to hear that ABC, dun, 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 dun. you know, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, dun, dun, dun. and it would be like some. Some crazy, weird sport of, of yaks running down the mountain in Argentina. You know what I'm saying? then right. We don't get that anymore. I guess I guess she's kind of tuned in the cable, but but back then that was like that big deal on that Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah. Don't sleep on trampolines. And if you've never seen, I Olympic, didn't even know
1: that was an Olympic
0: sport. I'm no. telling you, <laughs> if you find it, and it may be three in the morning, but if you find Olympic trampoline, I don't know what the official name of it is. That is amazing. That is super duper amazing. So if you get a chance to check out the trampoline, I I, I guess they consider that part of rhythmic gymnastics. But if you get a chance to see the trampoline, I guarantee you'll come back for it every four years. Before we get out of here, uh, it's football season now. I mean, training camp opened today. Well, uh, reporting today were the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And camps are starting to open here next week. And SWAC Media Day was yesterday. Coach Prime, I uh, can't call him Dion anymore. Coach Prime. Call that man Coach Prime. So, for those who don't know, Dion Sanders was being interviewed, and he got upset because someone, one of the reporters called him by his first name and asking, asking him a question. And he says, essentially, that uh, you don't call Nick Saban by his first name. I guarantee you, if you call Nick Saban Nick, he, you would get cussed out immediately. And then he now again I've heard different reports. I heard it wasn't really a a walkout as much as it was just sort of the end of uh, a Zoom call or something like that. But already this has soaked up a lot of oxygen in the room. Uh, What are your your thoughts on on uh, on that portion? And then we'll get more into some some swag stuff.
1: Well, my, my first thought when I heard about it, I was like, ah, come on, Dion. That that didn't make I mean Coach Prime. I see I I he would have walked out on me too. So my first my first thoughts were, Come on, man, it's not that big a deal. But when I looked at the the Instagram clip that was put on, you know, by Dion, by Dion Sanders, then I kinda understood where he was going with it because, you know, he told the guy, he asked the guy, hey man, you know, call me Coach Sanders. And so if a coach who's the head coach and if he asks you, hey man, call me coach Sanders, now I, I with the whole Nick Saban would have said this and that, I, I probably could have done without without all of that. But if you're if you're a media person and you're covering a coach and he asks you, Hey man, call me Coach Coach Prime, then out of respect, you know, you should call him Coach Prime. So the reporter, if you look at the clip that Deion Sanders had on his Instagram. He was like, hey, man, you wouldn't call Nick this and this and this. So, hey, man, you know, don't, don't don't call me Dion. So the guy was like, well, matter of fact, I call Nick Nick and he doesn't have a problem with it. So uh, Dion, you know, almost like sarcastic. Right. So at that point it's somewhere you're being disrespectful because I just asked you to call me Coach Prime. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you call Nick by his first name, hang out with him, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, I just asked you man to man to call me Coach Prime. And now you're being disrespectful by saying sarcastically. Dion, you know what I'm saying? You could have just asked the question and not said anything. Like, okay, well, um, here's my question, and you could have never referred to him as Dion Coach Prime, or anything. You could have never said his name anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right. But by you just saying Dion sarcastically, I don't think, in my opinion, that Dion Sanders should have walked out. I think he should have just said, hey, well, you know what? I'm not answering any more of your questions and going to the next guy. So I, I don't agree with him walking out, but I definitely agree with him saying you know, if, if I would like to be called coach prime, me being the head coach of Jackson State University, I've earned that right to be called coach prime. And so, so, so what's, he, what's the big deal? If, if, if that's what I'm asking you to call me, then I think he was appropriate to ask that.
0: So why do you think that's such a big deal for him? Because it doesn't matter. No, I'm asking. Why do you think that that seems to be a big deal?
1: Well, my answer would be it doesn't matter. But if you're going to force me to answer it, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. But if my, if my name and, and my reputation is, hey, I'm prime time Deon Sanders and I'm asking you to call me Coach Prime and I'm asking you in a respectful way, then why wouldn't you respectfully call me Coach Prime? If you don't want to call me Coach Prime, just ask your question without saying anything. But for, for, for you to double down and say Dion again, and at that point, you're being disrespectful to right. our That I so agree that, with. You know, so yeah. I don't, I don't agree with the end result of him walking out of the press conference because now the bigger story of the kids and the university and the swag media day is you walked out, as opposed to it should have been about the kids and the university and promoting the conferences and all of that type of stuff. Yeah. So, but, but I definitely understand with him speaking up for himself and saying, hey why are you still calling me Dion when I'm asking you to call me coach prime? Now, I could have done with all, without all of the references towards Nick Saban either, but Hey, that's, you know, because everybody they were, has they to were, do it their own yeah, way.
0: They were wrong. And, and obviously soon as uh, on Twitter, you see all these clips of people calling Nick, Nick, and, and I don't, and I know that media people do that all the time, but I, I get the, the greater point is, okay, this is important to me. So please do this for, for me. Correct. Um, yeah.
1: But I, I respect, yeah. I respectfully asked you, it is, it's like if I respectfully ask you to call me by a title that I have earned, which is Coach Prime or Coach Dion or whatever, if I say, hey, man, please call me Coach Sanders. And then you say uh, uh, "Dion," like, bro, I just asked you to call right, me Coach right. Sanders. That, like, yeah, hey, yeah, come yeah. on, man. Now you being see,
0: disrespectful. This is my whole point. To do that initially is not disrespectful, especially for media members that don't just cover college sports or just don't cover that team. But again, once you ask somebody directly and they don't do it, then that that does lend well, itself to being disrespectful.
1: To me, Coach... Coach is a sign of respect. I mean and we grew you, up in that
0: culture. Yeah. I, right. I'm, I'm the so same when you way. call
1: when you call a person coach, that's just like calling a, a business person Mr. Like the the person that's at the bank. You will hey, Mr. So and so. You know, you know, if Common you go courtesy, to the doctor, yeah. you may not know the doctor's name, but you're gonna say, Hey, doctor, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a sign of respect. By calling a, a, a person who's in that position coach, that's a sign of respect. And so even if he didn't say coach prime, he can be like, all right, coach. And because most of the time when, you know, because of course I did media with ESPNU and, and broadcasting games, most of the time, a lot of times I, I may not have remembered the coach's name or it may have been an assistant coach. And so, but the sign of respect was, Hey coach, well, what do you think about this? Da, da, da. Yeah, I'm and just saying by that. saying coach, no coach is ever going to say, Hey, don't just call me coach. Call me coach Edwards. You know, If you, if you, if you ever forget a coach's name and you call him coach, that is a sign of respect, and he understands that. So even that, at that point, the journalist could have been said when he said, hey, call me Coach Prime, he'd be like, all right, Coach, well, here's my question. And everything would have been cool. But when you say, Dion, it's almost like, I'm going to call you what I want to call you and deal with it. At that point, Dion had every right to end the interview. I still don't think he should have left. He should have just told that guy, hey, I'm not answering more, more questions from you. Anybody else want to talk with Coach Prime, I'm here to talk.
0: Um, again, I, I agree with you. But I just think it's kind of extra to be that sensitive about that particular issue. Well, I
1: mean, I so I if, if I'm a media person, I would have yeah, man, that dude is real sensitive. I would absolutely think that. Like what's But you his would problem?
0: respect him, right? But yeah. I would still respect me him and too. call him coach.
1: I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna have a coach ask me, Hey man, hey man, look here, man, call me coach prime. And then and then within five seconds, my next comment is well, I don't call Nick that Dion. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was petty. You know what I'm saying? You're being disrespectful at that point. Yeah, it's you know? very so, petty. So. The fact that, and, and it doesn't matter if he's been called prime for the last 40 years. He hasn't been the coach, the head coach of Jackson State University for the last 40 years. Once he's became the head coach or an assistant coach or the water boy coach, he's earned the title to be called coach. You right, right. <laughs> so, so, yeah,
0: and and, I, and I, again, because I came up in that culture just like you, everything is coach and, and t- I mean, well, no matter coach. Yeah, or, or if you
1: like in alabama is coach hey what's that coach right which i never and, understood why they say it like that but yeah. right
0: <laughs> and, and i've interviewed every coach in the swag for multiple years and so yeah i mean it's never been an issue for me so uh but we'll have to see anything else stood out to you about uh i mean what was a what what was a huge day for the SWAC in welcoming Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M. Any other takeaways uh, from SWAC Media Day?
1: Well, I, I think one of the two biggest things was the respect that was given to FAMU. I think they were picked to finish, well, first or second in the East, which is really interesting and good. That is that because that
0: Alcorn ha- is in the West now, because that's what I thought. Well, yeah, that that definitely has a lot to do with it. So that, so
1: that, to me, that was the first thing because you, you, know, you have Alabama A and M who just won the conference, who probably has the the best offensive player in the conference with Glass, who's an NFL Glass. prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, but for you to, to still, and I, I'm I'm not sure if I know. If FAMU was picked first or second, but of course, you know, so that's, they were picked very high. So, I mean, that, that's the one big thing that people have, have given Coach Simmons and FAM a, a lot of credit for, you know, coming into the conference and having a pretty good team. But, but the also is the, you know, Pine Bluff, which was picked to finish at the bottom of the West. And I know all corners in the West, but they still were picked to finish behind Grambling and Southern, you know, teams that they were able to beat, and they represented the West I, I in the conference they were, championship. I thought they so, were
0: third. I had to look at that again.
1: But nah, yeah. they were at they were towards the bottom. They they might have been right ahead of Texas Southern and Purview. But and they might have been below below Purview, but they were at the bottom. But the point is, you're the defending Western Division champ. I can understand you picking Alcorn first and then Pine Bluff second, but you were the defending Western Division champ with the same team less than six months later. So that well, to me, except, if I'm pine, if I'm Pine Bluff, I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's go get them, boys. Let's go get them.
0: Except you know, <laughs> that you know that that schedule was so disjointed. Our game with them got canceled. We only played two games in the entire spring season or whatever. So we're
1: I mean, not. I understand that, and the Alabama State game against Pine Bluff was canceled also. Yeah. And, and that's the game they may have lost. It was weather delay. Yeah, we but yeah, but stuff, still, but yeah, I mean, I you mean, still you still won the West. But I, you know, at the end of the day. You know, preseason rankings, I think the SWAC is in a great place. There's a lot of parity. I don't think any team is going to go through the East or the West undefeated. So I think every team is going to take some lumps. And it's really going to be who can bounce back from the big loss and then beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But every team is so even, like even the Mississippi Valleys, even the Prairie Views, even the teams, the, you know, teams that are picked to finish towards the bottom. I don't think they're bottom dwellers. They're teams that still, they're picked to you. finish fourth or fifth. Like I, I look at, you know, Alabama State and Bethune-Cookman. They're finished finished fourth and fifth in the, in the East. But I think either one of those teams are good enough with a break here or there to win the East with maybe two losses. I don't think they would go undefeated in the East. But if it came to a tiebreaker scenario, both of those teams are good enough to get into that tiebreaker scenario. So I think it's, it's going to be what one of those situations where every week you can go from first place in the East to fourth place in the East. And that's going to make it exciting for the fans and, and that's the biggest thing. And then that championship game is back on campus. So I mean I feel like this is going to be one of it has to be one of the most Anticipated swag football years in the last twenty years. So I'm, I mean, it's, it's it's every weekend you have three good swag matchups that you gotta see, and I right. think that's what's gonna make it a lot of fun and exciting for the fans. I so.
0: am really excited about it. I, I am. I really am. I'll be doing Texas Southern football, and and we have t- such a tough schedule. I think we got to get out of the gate with a victory over Prairie View. That Prairie View game carries a lot of weight. You just want the team to get off to a great start because I do think, man, they have some offensive talent. Uh, if they can stay healthy so we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk about that and uh you'll keep us abreast of your alma mater uh the alabama state hornets so hey, hey hey hey
1: hey hey it's the mighty hornets to you get it oh, right really get i it right. never
0: heard that one but okay yeah it's the mighty hornets. so i'm gonna respect you as a journalist and say mighty hornets for you exactly before i walk off this call i right. <laughs> can folks reach you on social media erod50 on Instagram and Twitter. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. To have your comments heard, call 832 941 I want to thank our guy, Eddie, as always. Certainly appreciate hearing from him. But going to shift gears now and talk a little bit about politics. No, no, people do not necessarily always want to tune into a sports podcast and hear something about politics. They use this as an escape. But I'd be remiss if I did not talk about something that was important to me that I think is important to you, and that is the right for everyone to have an opportunity to have their voices heard at the ballot box. Now, uh, while some of the conversation, I'm sure, leans partisan, essentially, this conversation is not, only to the extent that certain people believe that more voices should be heard and other folks probably don't want those voices to be heard and uh, certainly acting like that with policies that are being pushed forward in the Texas State Legislature. So here is our conversation with our very own political consultant. I gave her that name and she has gladly embraced it for us. A former Houston City Councilperson Amanda Edwards. For more content go to WaveWordProductions.com. As promised Amanda Edwards joins us now. How are you this afternoon? I'm fantastic. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. I'm I'm excited. Uh there's a lot going on in both worlds, the sports world and the political world. Since I handle the sports side, I wanted to check in with our political consultant, and that's you for the podcast. <laughs> and so sort to of, uh shed some light and give some insight to folks who really have not, for whatever reason, haven't engaged in what's going on in the state of Texas. Obviously uh the state house is in uproar as the Democrats have left and went to Washington DC, and that is for what reason?
2: So, you know, I will say I will liken it to the sports world. There is definitely a need for some kind of referee now because it has gotten very, very contentious in terms of our politics right now. But I will say that the Democrats in the state legislature, particularly there were a combination of those in the House and those in the Senate, but not all, courageously decided to go off into uh, Washington, D.C. when Governor Abbott called a special legislative session to do things like really attack voter rights by trying to pass the voter suppression bill. Now, let me go back for those that may not have been following as closely. We just ended our regular state session. Uh, The state legislature meets every other year, and we just ended that, and the Democrats broke quorum at the end, and so that measure, that voter suppression bill did not pass. And so he has brought the legislature back for part of the summer to handle things that he wants to get addressed, ranging from the voter suppression bill to trying to uh, not pay salaries of the legislature because of those who have broken quorum and, and even more attacking a variety of different things, including what is taught about race or the ability to teach race in school and just a variety of things you've probably heard as top line headline type matters. And so those controversial issues are on the agenda. And the Democrats said no more. We are going to break the quorum. They went to Washington. And so they are looking for or waiting for them to return to Texas, potentially to arrest them. Who knows what will happen? But it, it took a lot of courage because there are a lot of things, your family considerations, lots of things at, at, at stake. But what they have articulated by leaving is saying we will not be a held hostage and a participant of Uh, destroying the democracy uh, that we know. And and that's what they're standing up against. And so they will be, I believe, in Washington uh, for the remainder of the special session. There will be another special session that comes back up in a few more months. And so I'm not sure if the governor will try to take a few of those items up during that time because this is a year in which we have to do redistricting. So the next special session Will be dedicated to that, and that will be later this year.
0: So, for people who are not familiar with parliamentary procedure, a quorum means you have the. When you break quorum, there aren't enough people to hold an official vote. Did I? Correct. Okay, Co- so. that
2: is correct. That is correct. So people are still there, but they just can't vote on the business
0: because so not not enough Democrats are there to make a quorum.
2: Correct. Not well. You don't have to have a certain amount of Democrats, but that's the who broke the quorum. So, yes, you don't have enough elected officials there uh, to break quorum. Now, that has held true on the House side. The Senate side, actually, not all of the Democrats actually went. And so they did not break quorum, but they still can't. You you have to pass it by both chambers. And so you have to pass bills by using both chambers. And so with the House quorum being broken, that, that will suffice.
0: So a lot, there's a lot of uproar about voter suppression across the board. We saw the All-Star Game in baseball pulled from Atlanta because the new rules passed in the Georgia legislature. And we've seen it in a lot of red states where they are really big on trying to essentially make changes that will suppress or make it a lot more inconvenient for certain people to vote. Now they go to DC and, and we hear a lot of talk and, and the Texas Democrats went to the Capitol to talk to Democrats in Congress. And it doesn't seem like they are getting an attraction that I would hope that they would get the support uh, for national legislation on uh, voting bills. What do they hope to accomplish by being in DC talking to those uh, fellow Democrats?
2: Elevating the issue. I mean, you you know, in terms of the insurance that people are still fighting vigorously at the state level, and we de- do need federal legislation to be passed, in addition to the fact that we need to shine a light and get people engaged and attention paid to what is happening, oftentimes, which happens quietly, things like motor suppression often kind of sneaks under the radar. People oftentimes when you start saying voter suppression, they don't even know what you're talking about. You know, and that is trying to chip away at your democratic right to vote. And so you do things like make it harder for people to access I was I did a podcast interview of the honorable Curtis Graves maybe several months ago and in doing that podcast he was talking about his lived experience relating to the poll tax relating to literacy tests, that he, who is currently a senior, but he is still here on on this earth with us, that he experienced firsthand. And so this is not a long time from our history. This is something that is very, very recent in our times. And so when you put in measures to reduce hours and make it more difficult to vote, that is a means by which people who are trying to retain or control and maintain power are able to do so. By, by, but it's a way to do that that chips away at our core value uh, of America, which is our democracy. Each person having a right to vote, cast their vote, make their voice heard. That is why we are in this country. And that is why we must fight so vigorously to ensure that that right is protected.
0: So under the proposed legislation by the Republicans in the state house, for you personally, which is the most restrictive new rule that they're trying to pass. What stands out to you that says, you know what, this is going to hurt more than some of the other measures?
2: Well, I would say just reducing the hours that voting is accessible to people is really harmful to people. For instance, if you do shift work, for example, not having the ability to participate because you may lose your job if you miss work hours. You know, we take a lot for granted. If you look at some other countries, you know, they have a national holiday. People are encouraged to take the time out and vote. And our voting system is almost set up to do the opposite. We don't see people getting time off of work. There's no national holiday. There's not a convenient set of hours. Yes, there's early voting in many states. Texas is one of those, but. There should be far more. Think about how easy it is for you to uh, cast or vote for your favorite singer on some of these competition shows that you see in prime time. We should be able to reach into the homes of American voters and make sure that they have the information that they need and that it's easy to vote. If it's so fundamental to their existence and, and ability to be here in this country and why this country is even here, then we should make sure that we protect that right. And right now you see the party in power, the Republicans, really trying to peel back those rights. And they call it election integrity. Well, you know, things like voter ID laws, which also is another means to try to suppress votes, but those have already been passed. That's not a part of this package. Uh, And so it's additional means to try to prevent people from accessing their right to vote. That's what we
0: have to safeguard against. So let me ask you this. I want to get to the understanding of some of the other parts of the bill, some more symbolic than others, but the critical race theory legislation or the way that the Texas state legislature is trying to dictate how teachers teach. Explain how much influence the state legislature has on what kids learn in Texas public schools.
2: Yeah, I mean, the legislature can legislate a whole host of issues that deal with the public welfare. And in this case, they're trying to remove the ability to teach about race, teach about implications of decisions. And and that, of course, will yield itself to people who are uninformed and who cannot make wiser choices than maybe their predecessors because they haven't been educated. It's also, I think, you know, red meat to some of the base voters who really get amped up and really agitated about issues of race. We've seen that really emboldened with President Trump being in office and all of the things that started to really manifest publicly. Not to suggest that racism has not been prevalent in our, in our society. Obviously it always has been, but it's, Certainly under the Trump administration, it was emboldened. And so when you take away that understanding of history and you combine that with them trying to push these measures to get their base activated, if you will, who gets really riled up on issues of race and education and things of that nature, it is just a recipe for disaster. It cannot be anything that is beneficial and it's not intended to be beneficial. It's intended to be a wedge issue. It's intended to, you know, like I mentioned, be red meat to that base voter, that Trump voter who gets very riled up with regard to issues such as race. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, we have an opportunity on our hand if we continue to educate ourselves and continue to be honest about issues of race to actually make sure that meaningful change ensues as opposed to taking steps backward. And of course, our state legislature under the uh, leadership of Governor Abbott has sought nothing more than to take steps backward. I'd like to see us take some steps forward as it relates to our energy grid. Amazingly, it was unbelievable for us to hear just weeks after Governor Abbott indicated that we were going to be prepared with respect to our energy grid after the winter storm URI and the over 100 and so on deaths resulted in Texas billions of dollars in losses ensued. And after all that happened, he says we're going to be fine. And and then two two to three weeks later, this there's an, a warning being issued from ERCOT talking about how we were going to be experiencing blackouts and roll and, and brownouts and all these things in our state because our energy grid is still not prepared. It's still not ready. And so instead of focusing on issues that might relate to a political campaign that are focusing there, we really need our leadership to be seriously focused on the business of the people and keeping us safe and our welfare and our best welfare in mind. And that is why politics is broken today, because the leadership, those that are in positions of power to do something meaningful, choose to use those positions of power to just play political games with people's lives.
0: So I want to ask you what um, we, we know what the Democrats would like. What do you think will happen and what would you like to see the federal government or what do you think that they can do to sort of mitigate some of the damage that will be done by these voter suppression uh, laws that are uh, looks like at some point may get passed? What do you think is going to happen with all of that?
2: I think we we certainly need to make sure that we are fixing those challenges that have been put posed in front of us and then also taking advantage of some opportunities. Why isn't Election Day a, a national holiday? It should be. People should be given time off of work. People should be able to go cast their vote on Election Day, but we shouldn't just limit it to Election Day. We need to focus also on things like making sure that the portions of the Voting Rights Act that no longer in in existence that those res- those portions are restored. And so that's one of the areas that I think are in critically important and why you've heard people talk about John Lewis so much had his death in terms of restoring some of those components of our voting rights. And that's important. And we have to make sure that, We understand that this is an ongoing effort, and so we are never just safe because a piece of legislation is passed, because there's always someone, always a group that will be trying to tear back and peel back those rights. So once there are protections of rights, then the next mode has to be to protect those rights. Also, looking at ways that we can continue to provide more access to voting rights and we've got to really focus on that. I think in order to do that, you've got to make sure that these voting suppression bills that are happening all over the country aren't successful. And so what our legislators did was very courageous because they were trying to protect the right of Americans and in Texans Texans in particular to be able to vote. And so it's not enough for us to talk about how John Lewis was such a, a strong leader. We've got to uphold and respect his legacy by making sure that the legislation that, like the Voter right, Voting Rights Act, is in fact uh, made whole and fully restored, and that we continue to provide increased access on state and federal levels.
0: So I want to ask you. Of course, with, I mean, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of battling going on. You are you ran for U.S. Senate last year. You sort of on the sidelines. You're doing some nonprofit stuff. Are you getting back in the game? What's I mean, I, ask, I sort of ask you this every time we talk. What's sort of next politically <laughs> for you? Where, where are we going with this?
2: Well, I, I am too young to retire, so I, I am going to get back into public service. But, you know, in the meantime, it is very important for me to be involved in the community in ways that are meaningful. And, you know, the truth is you don't have to be in elected office to have an impact in your community, um, to make a difference. I have a nonprofit now called be the solution community empowerment organization. We really focus a lot on our senior citizens who are low income. Say say that um, again, be the solution. What is it? Be the solution community empowerment organization. So that is a new 501c3 I started this year so that we could focus on how we equip people with the tools that they need so that they can be the solution either in their own lives or in their communities. And so we help people become volunteers to help with seniors. We help empower people with information. So we've done things like food and water drops for seniors, phone banks for seniors. We've got a big seniors conference. We had a big women's conference and we do things to inspire people, but also give them the tools they need so that they can inspire others as well. And so it's not just, You know, you you can give them man a fish and you feed them for a day. You can teach a man a fish and you feed them for a lifetime. We like to make sure that people know how to get these feats accomplished in their own right as well. So we we provide and help to facilitate and connect people to resources and just really try to be that empowerment arm within a community. That's been great. But uh, as you've mentioned and as we've discussed, a lot of the things that are affecting our society are policy oriented. So I'm definitely interested in realize that um, there is a, a strong platform in elected office and it's important that we elect leaders who are not going to just talk about making change, but who actually live that experience out and really create the change communities deserve. So I will be reentering at some point the public sphere in terms of public service in that way. But in the meantime, really wanting to focus on how can I use the platform and use the experience I've had to really elevate community members, particularly some of those that are the most vulnerable among us.
0: So, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing this out here. A couple years away from uh, a mayoral race here in the city of Houston. <laughs> You've been on Houston you City really? <laughs> You've been on City listen, Council?
2: You are, <laughs> you are trying to break an exclusive here and now, aren't you? I, I am. Uh, listen. <laughs> well, listen, I, I appreciate uh, your confidence in, in my leadership and certainly will be looking at and and contemplating what my next steps are and and always doing that actively. And I'll tell you the most important part of that is the ability to have impact. And that is a huge driver in my decision-making in terms of where, you know, it's not always being in spaces where you're most comfortable. Sometimes it's about being where you're most needed and where there's impact that you can particularly make and that the community actually wants. And, I think that that's going to be the driver. Um, yes, I am aware of of, of this <laughs> uh, upcoming twenty three election cycle. I am fully aware of it, but you will get no exclusives from me today.
0: <laughs> well, look, I'm just volunteering to be your South Side campaign manager. How about that? I am the thing South I Ten. <laughs> the South Side,
2: the South Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you. Campaign. Yeah, I'll help swing the South Park vote. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So well, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. How that.
0: can folks reach out to either your organization How to, on social media? How can folks reach out to
2: you? Oh, great question. Um, on Online, you can reach me at www.amandakedwards.com, and there is a link to a page for Be The Solution. You can click on that tab and learn more about what we have coming up and how you can get involved and how you can support social media. You can follow me at Amanda for Texas. That's the number on instagram and then amanda for texas spell out for on facebook and as well as twitter and so no snapchats for me i'm not on there <laughs> no, no. so don't look for me there
0: no but, tiktok uh,
2: twitter instagram and facebook no tiktok you know that's funny you ask that you know i de- i never got on tiktok and i never did any of the like covid pandemic TikTok videos. I kind of. Re- I guess that's one of my regrets of during the pandemic time. I didn't do a TikTok dance video. I guess TikTok. I'll try to make up for it at my senior conference because you know we do a little line dancing at my senior conference. So I'll make up for it there.
0: Yeah, you can always do it on the gram. Plus, TikTok they say is owned by the Chinese government, so they just- <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where I mean that's what it is. So. But hey, I want to thank you for your time. You, again, are our political consultant. And from time to time, when we had these sorts of issues that I think are important that people have a better understanding of. We want to get the word out so people understand. That's right. There are people fighting on your behalf. And a lot of people don't even realize that they're fighting and what they're fighting for.
2: That's right. And you just keep continue. You know, people often ask, what can I do? You know, how can I get involved? You can make noise it's great to spread the word when you read you see articles spread that on social media but i encourage everyone to do that along with an action item so to spread the information so people are educated but then what should we do next and you can always contact your legislators uh, in the district you live you can look that up very easily by google you can find out who your who, who your legislators are and write to them everybody is supposed to be represented by our governor our lieutenant governor Our state elected office holders, if you are not pleased, give their officers a call and write to them. Also, you know, just make sure that you're casting your vote. And if you get agitated about what you see during this time, if you get agitated about people having lost their lives during URI, which was, you know, the winter storm was a winter storm. But let me tell you, I lived in Boston. Winter storms don't have to kill all the people and cost billions of dollars that the way that this winter storm did in Texas, it was because we were not prepared. And you had people having carbon monoxide poisoning from trying to heat themselves up in their vehicles and in the garage. You had all kinds of stuff happening like that. And if we were prepared, you wouldn't have seen that loss of life. So if those kinds of issues bother you, Don't just let them be a news cycle issue for you. Make sure that you keep that in mind as your motivation of how many new people you're going to go register to vote. People ask all the time, how come Texas can't be like Georgia? And the truth of the matter is Georgia did not flip overnight. There were years and years of work put into place getting new registered voters. People who are not likely voters to get on the rolls, to become newly registered voters, and to get them out to vote. And so what can you be doing when there's not an election right in front of you? You could be registering people to vote. You can get deputized and help to get people registered to vote. So just some things to think about as you are seeing things you don't agree with. That means you should be getting mobilized. You should be getting your response ready, which is at the ballot box.
0: Hey, well, we certainly appreciate your time, as always. And we look forward to seeing how this thing plays out. And uh, And maybe if we have more questions, uh, we may hit you up in the near future.
2: Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, as always. I'd love to share information as I have it. So anytime, I would love to reconnect. Thanks a lot. Okay, take care.
0: Great conversation with Amanda Edwards, maybe future mayor Amanda Edwards. We don't know. But I'm about to get out of here before I let go. before I let go, hey, want to thank uh, her and our guy Eddie Robinson, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, our sponsors. Want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to remind you, give us a call, 832 941 6614. Hit us up on the Facebook page, Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Hit up Libera Pay. And of course, you can always go to Wade's Word, Productions.com. Remember all of that, but most importantly, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I I ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and
1: four bye
0: this has been the sports talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word thank you for listening